Our sermon lesson for this Reformation Sunday comes from Romans chapter 1, verses 16 and 17. It reads, I am not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God for the salvation of everyone who believes, first for the Jew, then for the Gentile. For the gospel of righteousness from God is revealed, a righteousness that is by faith from first to last, just as it is written, the righteous will live by faith. This is the word of our Lord. Anytime a person speaks with confidence, they always set themselves up for criticism. We see this a lot in politics, where it doesn't matter what a politician says, there's always someone there to criticize it. People make predictions about which team is going to win the Super Bowl, about which company and stock is going to do well this year, about which fashion trends are going to be in style. When these topics are discussed and the speaker is getting hit with criticism from all angles, the speaker can simply say, well, just wait and see. And I'll be there to say, I told you so. It was Alexander Graham Bell who told Sir William Henry Priest of the British Post Office about the invention of the telephone and that it would change the world. He criticized him and said that the telephone had absolutely no value or benefit since, and I quote, we have plenty of messenger boys, he said. (laughs) When Steve Jobs took over Apple Computers in the late 90s, people said that the company was dead. After all, who would ever buy a $300 music player or a telephone that some weirdo could browse the internet on? Well, despite the criticism that Alexander Graham Bell and Steve Jobs received, they stuck to what they said and what they believed in and were all able to tell others, I told you so. When we serve as a witness to our faith in Jesus Christ, we aren't making predictions that may or may not come true. We aren't going out on a limb like Alexander Graham Bell and Steve Jobs may have felt, and yet we still face criticism for a similar reason. People don't buy it. They don't agree with it. They may feel threatened by it, and therefore they decide to criticize it. Paul was very familiar with criticism. It's no wonder he wrote the way he did in the opening verses of our lesson. He phrases it in the negative. I am not ashamed of the gospel. Now, why doesn't he say instead, I am proud of the gospel? instead of, I am not ashamed of the gospel. I mean, he knew as well as you and I do that there are a lot of reasons to feel ashamed of the gospel. He knew how the gospel looked to others. He knew that some people saw it not only as something that they didn't agree with, but also as a threat. That's why he was not only criticized for preaching the gospel, but at times he was run out of town, stoned, beaten, whipped. It didn't sound like the gospel gave him much to be proud of. Today, we are celebrating Reformation. When we think back on Martin Luther, he faced similar serious criticism. After preaching and teaching against the false teachings of the Catholic Church for quite some time, and after preaching the true gospel that we are saved by faith alone, by Christ alone, he was asked by Emperor Charles to come to a meeting called the Diet of Worms. And he told Luther that he didn't want to hear a debate on Bible teaching, but only an an admission from Luther that his teachings were wrong. And if he didn't recant, he would become an outlaw and would be excommunicated by the Catholic Church. The last person who had done what he had done was burned at the stake. 
a gospel that he had proudly been proclaiming didn't seem to give him much to be proud of. How about for us? Now, one thing that I've heard here at, at our church is that is that uh, every time we do an evangelism program, it doesn't seem to work. We get one or two prospects. We meet just a couple of people. Sometimes we don't meet anyone. We put in so many man hours in, into all these different programs, and it, it, it just seems frustrating. I've heard some of you tell me how it seems that your own personal evangelism with others doesn't seem to work. They aren't interested in hearing the gospel. And it can be difficult to be proud of something that no one seems to want. Do we show by the things that we do and say that we are proud of the gospel or that we are ashamed of the gospel? When God throws an evangelism opportunity in your face and a coworker asks you about your church or about your faith, do you hesitantly, sheepishly, and maybe ashamedly give an answer because you are now officially out of your comfort zone? Do you look for opportunities to proudly share your faith with others, like a new father who wants to share the good news of his newborn son? Or do we look more like we are dodging opportunities to talk about our faith? We know the implications of the gospel as well, you see. We, it means that for a Jew, Muslim, agnostic, and many others, that they are going to hell. And that fact can lead us to not be very proactive with the message of our Savior and make us look like we are ashamed of the gospel. It's easy for me to stand here and say that, that you need to share the gospel with others, to stand your ground and be bold in your evangelism, regardless of the consequences. See, as a pastor, I have the awesome job to work almost exclusively with Christians. But all of you have more contacts with unbelievers than I will ever have, and so your risk is higher. Your employer, co-workers, family members probably don't want to hear you preaching to them, and so you may not always feel so proud of the gospel. Despite all the reasons to be ashamed of the gospel, Paul continued to boldly proclaim the gospel until his death. Martin Luther stood his ground and put his career, family, and own life at risk. And do you know why? The lesson says, I am not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God for the salvation of everyone who believes. Salvation is the reason. They were able to see the bigger picture that it was worth the risk to put on the line their reputation, their close friends, their ability to stay in their comfort zone, all for salvation, that is, having life in heaven for eternity. People said about the telephone and the Apple company that they aren't worth the investment. And they were able to say, I told you so. But I don't want to be able to say, I told you so, to my friends someday as they're being cast into hell. I want them to be able to say to me, thanks for telling me so. Paul goes on to say why he is not ashamed of the gospel. He says, for in the gospel a righteousness from God is revealed. This is the heart and core of the gospel. Paul says that there is no reason to feel any shame for what we have done. No matter if you take 
if you didn't take advantage of the evangelism opportunities placed in front of you, or if you committed some sin that even the worst of sinners would be ashamed of, Paul tells us how God removed that shame from us and replaced it with the righteousness of God. There is no God on the face of the earth, no religion that could dream up of God that loving, a God who would be willing to sacrifice his reputation, his high standing, his place of comfort, and finally his own son to save people like you and me. If anyone had reason to be ashamed, it was God towards us. He has reason to be ashamed for you and me and the things that we have done in our lives, but instead something changed. You see, it was toward his son Jesus in whom he was proud and in whom he was not ashamed when he shouted from the clouds at his baptism, This is my son whom I love. With him I am well pleased. That was a proud father looking down at his son. There's no shame at all. But when Jesus was on the cross, we see a different story. God looked on his son with shame because every last one of our sins were plastered all over him. Why do you think Jesus looked, why do you think Jesus shouted, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Then God punishes him and treats him like an illegitimate son, like an outcast. But because of that act of grace, he opens up his arms to you and me like the father of the prodigal son. He doesn't question. He doesn't punish. He only forgives. Because the righteousness of God, that is the perfection of his son Jesus, was given to us through what he did on the cross. I am not ashamed of the gospel. How can I be? It's my salvation. Paul says a lot here, not only about why we can be proud of the gospel, but also he helps us as we think about evangelism opportunities. One thing that we learn is that this gospel was first for the Jew and then for the Gentile. Uh, God used the Jewish nation as the vessel through which the Savior would be born and through which the message of the gospel would come. But God's word was not meant to be only for them. See, there are two types of people in this world, Jews and Gentiles. Gentiles is a word which means not a Jew which means that the gospel is for both Jews and Gentiles. And unless you come across an alien, just assume that the gospel is for everyone. I think you all know, but I, I think you all know that, but I, I mentioned that because I think we have a tendency to judge or assume who would be interested in the gospel and who wouldn't. We say, well, don't bother trying to tell him about the gospel. They're Muslim. Well, if anyone needs the gospel, it's them. Or we think, I I'm not going to bother inviting Matt to church. He, he wouldn't be interested. He comes from a rough crowd. Or he he's not very religious. Everyone is born dead in sin. And you and I were not more alive or ready to hear the gospel than other people. We were dead. So how did we believe? How do we know that sharing the gospel with people that we think are long shots is worth it? Because the Bible says that God, the gospel is the power of God, as it says here in Romans. That word comes from the Greek word, dynamis, which is the word that we have in, in English for dynamite. The gospel is powerful, explosively powerful, and it has to be to be able to raise a spiritually dead person life. We don't always think about the gospel being that powerful because from our perspective, we can't see what it is doing in a person's heart. 
When a baby is baptized, from our perspective, all we see is water and the pastor speaking a few words. But the dynamite of the powerful gospel is raising that spiritually dead child to life and planting a seed of faith that connects that child to the righteousness of God that Jesus won for them on the cross. That power of the gospel that is found in baptism is the same power that is found in the message of the gospel when we share it with others. Again, from our perspective, it doesn't seem too miraculous. In fact, if you've ever shared the gospel with an unbeliever and you and have had the privilege of seeing that person come to faith later on, you know that this stuff doesn't happen overnight. It can take hours, months, or even years for a person to come to faith after hearing the message. But that powerful word of God is creating a miracle in the spiritually in the spiritual dead soul of an unbeliever and raising them back to life. Everyone that you run into is a prospect. Everyone is an opportunity, and every one of you is a witness. We are not ashamed of the gospel. We are proud of what our Savior has done for us. That doesn't mean that you should stand on a street corner and read from the Bible. That's not going to get anyone the gospel. No, at this church we are constantly looking for new programs to start and to do to meet more people in the community so that we can share the gospel with them. And so I please beg of you, if you have different ideas, different ways that we can reach out to this community, please come talk to me or one of the leaders at our church. We'd love to be able to work with you to reach out in, in new and exciting ways to the people in this community. But the best prospect list that we have are your own contacts. So what I'd like you to do is, is something that uh, you'll probably never hear me say again in church. I want you to get your phones out. Open up your phone. Turn it on. Right, and go through the contact list that you have there. How many contacts do you have in your phone right now? 20, 50, 100, 200? And these are people that you know, people who trust you and who know you and who know that you care about them. Who could you share your faith with? Who needs the gospel on that list? And, and you're probably all thinking, well, they all need the gospel. Okay, well, I want you to pick one. Pick one person. On your contact list. Who could you share your faith with? And what could you do? You could you could invite them to church. You could tell them about your faith, what you believe. You could use a personal Bible study, uh, either with the pastor or with you. You can tell them, hey, you should come and meet our pastor. You should come meet the people at our church. So many different ways that we can share the gospel with these people. Show them how much you care about them. Show them that you aren't ashamed about your faith. Show them that you are willing to risk your comfortable relationship for them so that they can have the same hope of salvation that you have. Amen.